0: Book of Romans, when in Rome. We're talking about the book of Romans. You know, once or twice a year, we love the book of the Bible and break it down for you, help you understand it a little better, give you a summary, basically, over it. We don't take it verse by verse. There are churches that do that. It's totally cool. They'll take two years to go through the book of Romans, something like that. We'll go through it in a month. And what we try to do is give you a summary over sections of it and then how to apply that because I feel like knowing the Bible is half of it. And the other half of it is living it out, is applying it to our lives. That's where the life comes from. That's where the strength comes from. So that's what we try to do here at South Point. We try to help you to know it, and then the other thing is to help you to figure out how to apply that to your life. The book of Romans has, for, for centuries, has been one of the most important books of the Bible. It's Paul's uh, most full. Did you say fullest or most full? Is it either one of them Okay. It's his fullest, y'all don't know either, do you? It's his fullest uh, explanation of the gospel. He gives from beginning to end. He starts out, in some places, he goes back to Genesis. Uh, he alludes to uh, him meeting Christ. He introduces us to him meeting Christ after Christ's resurrection and ascension. There, the, He runs the entire gamut in the book of Romans, and uh, it's an incredible book. Theologians for years have said, for centuries actually, uh, one of them, uh, Samuel Coolidge, he was an 18th century professor at Oxford University, very influential theologian. And uh, his quote was, he said that, I think that the epistle to the, to the Romans is the most profound work in existence. And yet, people like John Wesley and Martin Luther said very similar things. That it's an incredible, incredible book to read. When I got saved in college, when I gave my life to Christ, I've told this story many times, but I started in the, the book of Matthew, and the first chapter of Matthew killed me. I don't know if y'all have ever read that, but it's the, the lineage of Christ, and it's just like Bob the father of Sam, Sam the father of Scott, Scott the father of Jason, Jason the father Ch- It just does that for a chapter, and until you know the context of the Bible, you don't know who all those people are, and it's just as boring as reading somebody else's family tree, and so I read that chapter like four times the first couple of weeks, and my cousin said, how's your Bible reading going? I said, it's terrible. That first, first chapter is a killer. And he said, oh, my goodness, don't read Matthew first. And he told me, read the book of John first. And I read that. It took me a few days. And then after that, I said, what's next? And he said, first, after John, read Romans. It's the best example of the whole picture put in the New Testament, the whole picture of Christ, the whole picture of the prophecy, the Old Testament. He brings all." Of so what we're going to try to do today is tackle the first section of the book of Romans. How about that? We're going to learn a little bit about what Romans is and then a about how to apply it. Does that sound good? Okay, so let's jump. If you have notes, this is a great, great series to get notes on because it is uh, there's a lot to keep up with. But Paul does. I don't know if that's bothering y'all more or me more, but that. But here's what Paul does in the first four chapters. Is what we're going to cover today. Romans one through four. Paul preaches a sermon. He preaches uh, the overall sermon of Christ from beginning to end from the beginning of the world to Jesus to now in four chapters he set me up great for starting this series and really the letter the letter or epistle we sometimes in the the old english it's called an epistle but it's the letter to the romans what paul had written this long letter and sent it to the believers that were in rome and here's the main reason he did that because in rome the believers were about 50-50 half Jewish, traditional followers of Christ, they, they had come to Christ, but they were still all Jewish. About the other half were Gentiles, non-Jewish people that had come to Christ, and because of their differences, because of their differences, they struggled. The, the Jewish people and the Gentiles, they had different ways of following Christ. How many have ever come across somebody that's got a different way of following Christ than you follow them? Yeah. There's only about 150 people in this room and there's about 150 different ways to follow him right here. And that this entire letter is built on unity of the believers. That's Paul's goal through this. So he starts us off with a sermon. How many know a sermon's good to build community? And then he works us to working and living and following Christ. So we're going to start first in Romans 1 and it just starts with the introduction in verse one, it says, "This is the letter from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, Chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. That's Paul's goal. His goal, his call in life, his role in the whole Bible, his role is to go preach Christ. And he's specifically called to the Gentiles. But if you read through scripture, Paul's a pastor to the Gentiles and he's a pastor to the Jews. He is a Jew. So he bridges the gap really, really well. But his first audience that he hits, his first point that he brings out is this right here. Point number one in your notes is in Romans 1, 18 through chapter 2, verse 16. And he talks about that the Gentiles need salvation. Listen, you want to get a bunch of Jews saying amen, you start preaching how the Gentiles need salvation. Amen? That's that's where Paul starts. He starts off, and he, verse 25 says it really good. He, he's building his case for the Gentiles, and he says this. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created, instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal of eternal praise. Paul said that the Gentiles, not being raised in this Jewish faith, if they turned from what faith, what God they knew, and they began to worship the very things the the trees, the moon, the, the gold calves, whatever that would be. He worshipped the very they worshipped the very things that God created, and his was on. They had some of God, but they traded it for a lie. L- let me ask you, as as Paul starts building his case, and he's going to use this analogy some more, this imagery, have you ever made a bad trade? You ever made a bad trade in your life? E- every time I read this scripture, I think I'm not, I'm not a big baseball fan. I like it when it comes to like the World Series or the, even the playoffs. We got any baseball fans in here, big baseball fans? Yeah. My father-in-law is huge. He watches if, if, if he could not work and sit in front of 12 screens, he would watch every baseball game there is. That's great. Me, I will watch a couple of, couple of innings, and then I'll go have a meal, right? And then you watch a couple of more innings, and then you go have a meal. And that's why I can't watch baseball, because at the end of a game, I put on 17 pounds, and there's no baseball. Well, when I think of making a bad trade, I don't know a whole lot about baseball, but one of the worst trades ever in history was made in baseball. Now, when I mention the name Babe Ruth, what team do you think about? Of course, everybody thinks about the Yankees, but you know that's not before the Yankees were the, yeah, the Red Sox. Babe Ruth played for the Red Sox back in the teens, back in the tens, the teens, and they won world championships way before the Yankees ever even made it to the championships, much less won one. But... The owner of the Red Sox was big into Broadway, and he ran into a problem and needed some money, and the Yankees wanted Babe Ruth. And so the owner of the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees in what they call the, the worst trade in Major League history. You know the story then. they go on and... For the next hundred plus years, what do they call it? The curse of the Bambino. For the Red Sox, they didn't win another championship till just a few years ago, and they all attributed it to that bad trade. Now, whether you believe in curses or not, that's up to you. Baseball curses, but that's the kind of stuff. When I when I read this, I think of the bad trades in my life, like you know trading a hot wheel for a pencil in fourth grade, that kind of stuff. You know, I got to think of there there are a lot worse trades. And what Paul about is we we trade stuff every day right we trade maybe our time for some comfort or we trade a hobby that we want to do for some uh something else we want some financial from money that we need to pay to be a part of that hobby we trade stuff all the time and I'm, I think my point in this is I just want to stop and it's, it's actually not a point But I just want to stop and make sure as we start building this case and we listen to what Paul says about the Gentiles and others needing salvation, let's make sure us as followers of Christ, we never trade. We never trade Jesus for anything in this life. You know, there's a couple of three or four or five things in your life that are not ever worth trading. If you're the owner of the Red Sox, you should say, we'll never trade Babe Ruth, ever. He's going to retire here, right? And if you're a follower of Christ, you should say, I'm always going to put Jesus first, and I'm never going to trade him for promotion. Right? I'm never going to trade him for financial gain. I'm never going to trade him for time. He's worth time. I'm not going to trade Christ in my life for anything. I don't want somebody writing 20 years from now, Scott made a bad trade. He traded his relationship, his faith for something worthless a lie something that was temporary he traded something that let's never trade jesus for anything amen so that's how he starts off that they need they need salvation but he goes right into the second group in romans 2 in verse 17 through uh, chapter 3 verse 8 he's uh, this is your second point but he quickly turns it from the jews to saying that the gen or the gentiles that the jews they also need salvation now now he's got a captive audience. Because these are God's chosen people. Hey, sometimes church folks, now, now I'm just talking to me, but sometimes we can we can think that we deserve it. Like we're we're a little higher on God's list, right? I mean, we're coming to church on Sundays, right? I could sleep in. This could be recovery day, right? But we come and we serve. We serve people, we help people, we give, we worship. All these awesome things. So, I mean, doesn't God, I mean, he kind of owes me, right? We're trading this out. He got real quiet in here. Start talking sacrilegiously in here, Scott. But that's exactly how the Jews were. The Jews have been chosen by God, and they really thought that they deserved it, that they deserved this. And this is how Paul starts off. He starts, chapter one, the Jews, the Gentiles need salvation. Chapter two, hey, hold on a minute. The Jews also need salvation. Listen to what he says in verse 28. He says this, chapter two, verse uh, 28 and nine. For you are not a true Jew, just because you were born of Jewish parents or have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. I thought that was the very definition given back in the Old Testament. Paul saying, no, that's not it. That's not it. Let's keep reading. Thank you. They must have found something back there. No? Okay. You want me to grab a mic? You want me to yell? Because I can do it. Awesome. That sound good? Fantastic. We'll throw this one away. He's telling him, "You're arguing about stuff that doesn't matter, and when you argue about stuff that doesn't matter, you're causing division and you're hurting your faith. What really matters is what Jesus in your heart, in your heart, in your heart. It matters what you really believe. That's what he's saying. Remember, this is all about the heart." That's what this is about. It's about the heart. It's not about whether you're Jewish or Gentile. It's really, he goes on, it's really not about the Sabbath. Isn't that crazy? You're talking a Jew of the Jews, a Pharisee. One of the very guys, he said that he held the cloaks of the men that stoned Stephen, the disciple Stephen. That's how much of a Pharisee, a Sadducee that Paul was, a religious leader. And he's saying that it doesn't matter where you've come from. What really matters is... Is what you believe and how you live it out. Amen? He even goes on, you're gonna get to hear later this month, he talks about, well, my brother doesn't believe it's okay to eat meat. And I believe it's okay, so what should I do when I go to his house? He said, here's what you should do don't eat meat because it offends him. Why don't you try to compromise a little bit? It has nothing to do with your salvation. Work with your brother. Isn't that good? What Paul is saying is listen, out of 150 people in here, there's going to be 150 differences, and not just on Jesus stuff. I could ha- have you uh, uh, raise your hands right now. I'm not going to. Do not raise your hand, okay? I'm not going to have a fight in here. Gun control or not? Mm, some of y'all just bristled up at the words. Right wing, left wing, Republican, Democrat, weirdo in the middle somewhere? Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like We could go into all that, and and all of that, believe it or not, all of that's represented right here. Everything is represented right here. And you know what the one thing is that unifies us? is Jesus. Don't ever get stuck and let somebody stick you on the translation of your Bible or the style of the music or the day you worship Christ because that matters nothing. It is what is in right here. It is what I believe, and am I following what I believe in Christ? Am I following that? Amen. That's what's important. That'll change your life right there. Sometimes I've had people say, well, I, I don't know very much about Jesus. I just know this much. And I say, oh, that's good. Don't confuse it. Just go follow that. And if you'll obey that, what you believe, that little bit that you understand, just go believe that. And God will open up the next step for you. And you just go live that out. And then God will open up the next step for you. And you just go live that out. And that's what faith is all about. Paul wants these guys to understand. Listen, I've just shown you both of you guys need Jesus. And the reason is because you're not living out. You're arguing about stuff that doesn't matter. You need Jesus, and you need to worry about your heart. True faith doesn't come from things that happen on the outside, right? Whether you're Jewish, circumcised, all of those things that the Old Testament said that had to happen. Real faith. Real spiritual giants come from people whose hearts have been circumcised for Christ, who believe in Him, and then they actually go live it out. That's why I'm all for knowing God's Word. It's the most important thing on this planet. But right next to it, kind of like the great commandment, right next to that is actually living it out. That's what defines you as a believer. Amen? It's good stuff. Somebody say, preach it, Scott. That's right. And and, and it's important for us to continue growing in our heart with him, continue growing in that relationship. Listen, when I first got married, I was that guy. And it's so funny to see where I've progressed and watched newlywed men say the same thing. I was the guy that my wife would go, well, you know, Wednesday afternoon, do you love me? And I'm like, well, babe, of course. I told you Sunday I loved you. Literally. Ladies, can I get an amen on that? And she said, and she would go, well, I need to hear it every day. And I'm like, babe, you don't. Listen, I love you. I married you. I gave you my life. If it changes, if it starts swaying, I'll let you know, okay? That was literally like I committed. Once I commit, until I decommit, you're good, right? And she said, sit down on the couch. I remember Tishamingo, Oklahoma. I sat on our little wooden frame couch. She said, I know you don't need that, but I need that. And if you want a happy wife, happy life, if you want a happy wife, then you need to tell me every day, I need to hear that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, there's something wrong with you. Now I know that out of 7 billion people, there are 7 different wiring diagrams, 7 million, billion different wiring diagrams, and it's about me learning to speak her language. She needed that. And what that did, me taking time every day, it built that relationship. It built security. It built strength. It built the very things that, in times of my need, that would help me. Does that make sense? That's why our relationship with Christ is so important. I, I feel the same way about Jesus sometimes. I go, hey, you, you know I'm still with you. I haven't denied you. I'm with you. But it's, it's not just about the commitment. It's about the relationship. That's why all throughout Scripture you hear Paul coming back to the heart. Well, let's keep going For I preach my whole message. I got off on the, the whole mic thing. I'm going to blame it on that today. So in chapter 3, Paul starts his summarization, starts to wrap it up. And here's uh, chapter 3, verse 9 through 20, this little passage. He reemphasizes that everyone needs salvation, that all of us. It's not a Jew or Gentile thing. I started with the Gentiles, then with the Jews, but it's not a Jew or Gentile thing. It's every person on the planet needs Jesus. And here's what he says, that the first verse and the last verse of this passage, verse 9 and 20. Well, then, should we conclude that Jews are better than others? Nope, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentile, are under the power of sin. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The law, another verse, another translation of that says the law actually is a schoolmaster to Christ. Because back in the day when this was translated in the 1600s, the schoolmaster, whenever all the kids K-12 through 12 or whatever the grades were, would go to the same schoolhouse. The schoolmaster would come out and ring the bell. The kids would be out in the field playing or wherever they were, at ring the bell. And the schoolmaster was the person that would bring everybody back to the schoolhouse. And, and the translation was that the, that the law was a schoolmaster to Christ. It should show us that not just Jews or not just Gentiles, but everyone needs to be led back to Christ. But then Paul wraps us up with this. Here's, here's where he gives us some hope. And we need some hope because in our day, and especially in the Romans day also, there's a lot of different options for where to seek your hope. There's a lot of different options right now in our world, where to seek your hope. He wraps us up, starting in verse 21 of chapter 3. Is The point there is that, You become righteous by faith. Here here he starts his closing, so to speak, of his message. He says this in verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right by God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. I want you to understand that Jesus, Jesus himself, right here that he's writing about, Jesus became what we are so that we could become what he is. You understand that? Like what he's saying is that there is a way that you can be made right. You can't do it by the law. The law is just going to lead you back to Christ and show you how much we need salvation. What, What he's saying is that Jesus stepped in and took the place for you. You think about that, if, if we were all standing in line, all however many of us are in here, we were all standing in line, waiting for punishment, and Jesus was at the front of the line, just going, "No, I got them high five, and you could you could leave you 're free, no punishment, I got them high five If you were in court and you were fixing to receive a sentence, jesus said no that 's me, I got that paul 's trying to relate to them that It only shows us how sinful we are, but Jesus has paid the price, and he finishes with this. Here's his wrap-up in chapter 4. He goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Y'all didn't know we were going to cover Genesis to Romans today, did you? It's just Mike tricks, is all it is today. In chapter 4, he reminds us that it's been about faith from the beginning. I want you to understand that. It wasn't, people love to say, well, the Old Testament was about works and the New Testament's about faith. Nope. It's been about faith from the very beginning. Can I show you that even before the law, it was about faith? Are you ready for this? Ask your neighbor, say, you ready for this? Romans 4.22 says this, and because of Abraham's faith, back in Genesis like 11 or 12, because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. The reason Jesus came is to stand in the gap for me and you. That's what he's trying to relate to the Gentiles and relate to the Jews and relate to all of us. It is not about the law. It is not about what you look like, what you dress like, even what you denomination you're a part of. Nothing of that actually matters. The essential thing, the one essential thing is, do you put your faith in Christ and do you believe that by walking it out every day? Amen? And he goes back to Abraham to prove his point Do You know, between Abraham and Moses, there were about 600 years, 550, 600 years, somewhere around in there. Between Abraham and Moses. Moses got the law, right? It was Moses that got the Ten Commandments and then later the Levitical law and all of those 600 plus that we are so thankful we don't have to follow by the letter today. 600 years before the law, God said it matters what you believe. That's what's important. He said, Abraham, I want to take you to a new place in your life. I want you to move and leave this place, and I want to take you to a new location. And from you just believing in me, I'm going to create an entirely new culture of people. The Jewish people came from Abraham. And I'm going to show this world that if you'll put your trust in me, that I'll provide for you. I'm not going to give you the all the steps and the destination, but if you'll work with me, I'll show you it step-by-step step through the journey and we'll build this relationship together. You can read Moses' life in Genesis. It's incredible that Moses, without knowing God in the beginning, said, that's that's actually the exact relationship that I want. Moses left everything and by faith followed God and showed that he believed what God said. Let me ask you, how, how do you and I, how do we prove That we believe what god says by our lives the decisions we make where we go what we say what we think about the things we spend our money on the things that we spend our time with all of those things just like abraham they show god this is what i believe this is what i put my faith in this is what i trust in That's why he starts the beginning of this little mini message with the Gentiles trading the truth about God, the truth for a lie. And he reminds them that the truth isn't about you being a Jew, isn't about you being a Gentile, isn't about you coming to South Point. All of these things can really help. The truth is, it's about what you believe. Church, can I tell you, it's extremely important for you and I to just live out what we believe. We're all on different understanding levels in here. But it's important that whatever you understand your relationship in Christ, if you just know a little bit, well, go live that out. If you know a lot, go live that out. God's blessed you with understanding. Go live that out. And watch God, just like Abraham, take you from an unknown place to your perfect destination in life over your lifetime. And it's not a physical location. That was never the point with Abraham. It was always a relationship. Destination That he was going for In the end You read over in Hebrews 11 He said all of that faith Putting his faith in him all over those years And trusting him Was credited to Abraham as his righteousness Listen I want to I want to tell you When I get to the end of my life I want God to say Scott didn't do everything right Maybe that's not his first line But part of it Maybe he didn't do everything right But he was 100% for me And what little he knew, he lived out. He put in his dreams. He put it all in in his hobbies. His faith influenced that. His faith influenced his finances. His faith influenced his time. His faith influenced every part of his life, his speech, his thought, all of those things. And because of that, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Amen? That's what we're about today. That's what Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4, that's what it's all about. It's setting the stage for the bigger picture that Paul's going to let us in on the next three uh, three or four chapters that we're going to talk about next week of bringing the church together. But I want to pray for us today. I want to pray and ask God to help each one of us have the faith that we live out, that we take what faith you know today and you live that out this week. You let it influence every area of your life. You let it influence your speech and all of those things. If you need that in your life, will you pray that with me? If you feel God's spirit speaking to you right now and said, that's what you need. You just need to put into practice what you believe. That will change your life. You know enough. Let's do this. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, can I tell you that right now is the perfect opportunity, right now, as we pray just to say, Lord, I'm gonna open my life up and let you come in and teach me your ways. Over the rest of my life, I'm gonna let you teach me how to live. Let me teach you how to do everything in this world. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for your word. It's an incredible, incredible letter that Paul wrote to us. And even more than that letter, Lord, what we trust is your spirit moving in our life. Even though you've left, you've given your spirit to work in our life, to work in our hearts and our souls. And today, Lord, we rely upon your spirit to change our hearts, to to guide us To right where you want us. We pray for everyone in this room, Lord, for our faith. Because we understand, just like Paul said, it's it's not about keeping the law. It's about our relationship with you. It's about putting our hope and our trust and our past and our present and our future to you. Giving that to you, Lord. So today I pray for everyone in this room that you would help us to live out what we would believe. That that belief in you would influence every area of our life, our relationships, our careers, our finances, our our time, our hobbies, our speech, Lord, that you would influence us and allow your spirit to help us to live that out. And if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you, that right now, right here in this moment, that they would take time to say, that's me, Lord, come into my heart, forgive me of my past, Be my Lord and my Savior and help me to live for you. Teach me your ways. That's all it is to get started. Teach me your ways. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray and everyone said amen. Amen? Amen. Hey, something that uh, I don't mention a whole lot. I'm trying to steal Michael's thunder here, but something I don't mention a whole lot is the communication card on your bulletin. And before we segue into our offering and our giving today let me just say that is key for us the communication card on the bulletin if you made a decision today to follow christ would you take a minute and let us know and it's not so we can come and bible quiz you or baptize you in the bathtub at your house or anything like that what we want to do is start the communication process to let you know we're proud of you and ask if you need any resources that's all we'll do and then you if you need something you can let us know and for everyone else What I would love from time to time, if you would just let us know where you are spiritually. Let us know what you need prayer for. What's going on in life that, man, you can pray for this. I have a job promotion coming up or I have a sick family member or something like that. And it allows us to kind of get the feel as our church continues to grow. It gets the feel of what's going on allows us to pray for you. How many like to be prayed for? We do that throughout the week. So, all right, God bless you, Michael. It's all yours.